Fake news is what Donald Trump says about anything he doesn't like, even if it's actually true. But there is a lot of fake news out there. Fake news. Matter of fact, on Monday, when people were recounting horror tales about Burning Man, one of the headlines they came across on Twitter was that that tech bro who's been trying to make himself young by injecting his 17-year-old son's blood, that he had been found dead and eaten at Burning Man. Completely not true. But there's some really interesting new research about young people and their inability to distinguish between what is real and what is not when it comes to an awful lot of stuff they come across on the Internet. Dr. Kara Brisson-Boivin is director of research at Media Smarts and joins us to talk about this research. Good morning, doctor. Morning. Thanks for having me. Okay, so what sort of you know material are we talking about? The kids are either mistaking for true or just not even questioning. Yeah. So we you know based this study loosely around what we call mis and disinformation. So misinformation refers to information that is false, um, that is shared online. It may be shared mistakenly. This may be you know something that. You know, a family, a relative, somebody sees who, you know, sort of innocently might reshare that or repost that content. Whereas disinformation is in information online that is, um, in is, is uh, also false, but intentionally spread. So, you know, we see this in the case of, uh, you know, political, you know, uh, interference. So, so that, you know, the, uh, efforts to sway, you know, elections. Um, but at the end of the day, honestly, what's interesting is that the research shows it doesn't really matter whether, you know, this distinction between miss and dis or information that's shared, false information that's shared intentionally or not, because all of this kind of information really dilutes the information ecosystems that we are all trying to navigate online and makes it all the more critical that we are taking steps to ensure that the information that we are ourselves, you know, sharing or that we're contributing to this information ecosystem in ways that are, you know, accurate. Are there means by which, you know, I mean, could we teach teens to be more discerning and, and, you know, set aside for a second here. I mean, I know lots of adults fall for false information, but your research is about teens. So can they be trained to try and confirm whether or not something has any truth? Yeah, in fact, we all can, um, you know, and, and we have a program at Media Smarts called Break the Fake. That is an attempt, you know, it's a public service sort of educational campaign that helps people understand that there really are four easy steps to being able to check if something is, you know, true online. The first is to verify the source. So it's not enough to just read, you know, a post, a headline. You have to go to that original source of information to be able to verify um, whether it is accurate. You have to do some sort of like lateral reading. So that means you're know, checking other sources, see if other outlets are also, you know, posting or, you know, have stories on the same content, especially sources that are perhaps, you know, leaning differently, either politically or in other, you know, views and ways. Um, there are also experts who do this, you know, for a living. There are fact checkers. You can go to sites like Snopes. Usually with a couple easy keywords, you can also determine if, you know, something is true or not. Um, and we often tell people that it usually only takes one of these steps in a couple of seconds to be able to determine if something is true or not. So, 
um, you know, it does take effort on our part, but it's not a lot of effort. And that effort is really critical in terms of helping to, you know, create an information ecosystem that is just that much more easy for all of us to navigate. In some circles, though, or cohorts or whatever we want to define it as, are we approaching an era where truth is all relative anyway? Where, you know, and, and some teenagers may fall into that trap and say, well, you say it's not true. Yeah, and those are difficult sort of conversations to have. I mean, we also have entire sort of resources and units both for in the classroom and for families and communities to talk about what we might, you know, label as propaganda or conspiracy theory. And what's different about how we approach those kinds of conversations is that we have to help especially young people realize that those kinds of arguments are persuasive arguments. So they are meant to get us to feel something. So we start those conversations by trying to ask, you know, a young person, you know, what is it that you're feeling when you come across this piece of content when you read this article, why do you, what do you think this author or this you know person, this group, et cetera, is trying to get you to feel and why? And you know, often we don't want to be persuaded or, you know, to use another word, you're duped into thinking certain things um, without having, you know, done our due diligence. So if we can help people see the ways in which, you know, we're being persuaded to believe things, um, it will help folks, you know, and especially young people start to develop those critical thinking skills that are really important for being able to you know recognize persuasive arguments and when and most importantly they're based on fear especially fear of the other um, on online hate and you know harm racism sexism all of those kinds of things thanks a lot for this good to have you no, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Dr. Kara Brisson Boyvan is director of research at an organization called Media Smarts. This is, I, I have vague memories of this. Joe, this is the house hippo. Remind me what this is all about. It was a PSA that ran in the late 90s, just telling people to be, you know, telling kids to be smarter about believing anything you hear and see on TV. And they had an adorable little hippo that was like what the size of a shoe right exactly smaller than a cat okay let's listen they come out at night to search for food water and materials for their nests the favorite foods of the house hippo are chips raisins and the crumbs from peanut butter on toast they build their nests in bedroom closets using lost mittens dryer lint and bits of string the nests have to be very soft and warm house hippos sleep about 16 hours a day that looked really real, but you knew it couldn't be true, didn't you? That's why it's good to think about what you're watching on TV and ask questions, kind of like you just did. A message from Concerned Children's Advertisers. Right. Well, that's like 25 years ago. Now, you can use AI to fake the voice of somebody and then call their grandmother and shake them down for money. I'm, I'm not all that confident about the future, I have to say. And, you know, very quick example is that it's not about people receiving new information and going, hmm, wonder if it's true. It's quite often about people receiving information to confirm that something they believe is, is true. And a perfect example of that would be the fight over ivermectin. Ivermectin, for whatever reason, I'll never understand why it's a conservative thing to believe that ivermectin works against COVID, because it doesn't. Study after study after study after study has found it's useless. But Somebody tweeted at me this week, see, and it was a headline about the um, Federal Drug Administration in the States approving ivermectin for treatment, and they didn't. 
If you look up the story, it turns out that there was a decision that they couldn't discipline a doctor, even if the doctor prescribed ivermectin, and ivermectin is useless. So it was all about a jurisdictional issue. It had nothing to do with the efficacy of ivermectin. But tell that to a fan of ivermectin.